This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. As we jump into the new year, many of us are setting new goals and hoping for new beginnings. But as we know, only 8% of people actually follow through on their New Year's resolutions. Well, Today, we're talking harnessing the power of the brain to make your goals reality with Dr. Upasna Gala, founder and CEO of Evolve Brain Training. We found, find out more about neurofeedback and how it can help us eliminate the conditions that hold us back to reach our true potential. She's even going to be taking us through some brain hacks live on air. Keep it here for more on Life Beats on Pulse 95. You're You're listening listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Every year you're probably making the same resolutions and every year you come back and make the same list over again. So on Life Beats, we want this year to be different. This is your year. They say that hindsight is 2020. But for me on the show, the theme is now foresight is 2020. So on Life Beats, we're bringing you the experts and those who have that insight, the passion, the experience to help us to do two things, to change what we want and need to change, but also to celebrate who we are and to help us to see and harness our strengths. Kicking it all off is my first guest today, Dr. Upasna Gala, the founder and CEO of Evolve Brain Training, a neurofeedback institute that focuses on using non-invasive brain training techniques to maximize the brain's true potential. Dr. Upasna, welcome to Life Beats. Hi, Sally. Thank you for having me over. So great to have you. Now, uh, when we're talking about the brain, it is so interesting because this really is the organ that has power over our entire bodies. It really is like the control center. And yet, I think it's the organ that we know the least about. So where do we start when we are trying to understand the mysteries and the power of the brain? Uh, Yeah, I know. I've been in love with the brain ever since I was a little girl. Um, You know, every thought, every action, every feeling, all of that is controlled by the neurons in our brain. And you're so right. We know so little about this organ and it is one of the most mysterious organs. And that's why it's so interesting um, to work on the brain because there is so much more to learn from. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in terms of when we're looking at setting goals, Where do most of us go wrong when we are trying to set a goal? We talk about resolutions. We're going to get rid of that word because, you know, goals are something that we do all the time. Setting goals and and we want to improve ourselves all the time. Where do we go wrong and where do our brains let us down? So when you think about, so when you make an individual decision, like what gift you want to buy or what you want to eat, these individual decisions, they rely on our brain systems that involve executive control. But most of our resolutions, our goals, are not individual decisions like that, like exercising more or eating better. These are complex uh, things that involve habitual learning that rely that are actually tied to unconscious thought. So um, if you think about 
um, say eating less so if every morning at 11 a.m. you think of a muffin because that's what your morning breakfast you know morning breakfast is or morning snack is so you need to get away from the cues uh, so you can you know you can uh, you can do new uh, or take up new goals or stick to your new resolutions and for that you need to go to your unconscious thoughts so you have to get away from being you know sometimes willpower is enough for individual decisions but if you want to make long-term changes in your habits willpower alone is not enough you have to convert these uh, these changes into a habitual learning and that's where most people most people fail because they don't convert their daily decisions into habits this is so big because um, it's interesting you know if it was just about willpower most of us would have done it by now right right, right. We, we would have we would have done it but yeah. actually it's about a lot more than than that yeah. uh, you know like you said these are habits that we've built up over years yep. and it's conditioning and it's how we've been you know maybe brought up around food or it's you know that job that we you know took that suddenly you know changed your shifts and, yep. and then it had this impact on you and now you've ingrained new habits and yeah, you're trying so to get out of that yeah and one of so what you can do is you can do reverse engineering to make um, changes into habits so one of the things you can use is um, you can use the fact of friction so if you add a little bit of friction to your regular habits if you want to break them so if you're used to eating um, you know putting sugar in your coffee every day just put the sugar tin out of your sight so you add a little bit of friction so it takes that little extra effort to take it out make it harder make it a little harder uh, make your bad habits a little harder to do and similarly for good habits you can remove the friction so uh, maybe you can pick a gym that is on your way back home from work so you're more motivated to go on the way it's so or yeah. you can keep your gym bag ready the previous night and keep it in your car so you reduce that that amount of friction so you can achieve that goal easier it's very funny you say that because uh, you know having interviewed top fitness experts like you know Kayla Atsini's she actually says that she says i have my stuff ready because it makes even, such a big difference even she has will have those days where yeah. she does not want to go and work out yes and she's got millions of followers who are <laughs> you know waiting for her to post her next workout and this is the thing you know yeah. it's about like you said that removing that difficulty the making difficult, it yeah. easier for and yourself and i'm glad you mentioned about you know her missing some days because it's really inevitably you are going to miss a few days you know and you need to forgive yourself and not let that become a, a detriment to you know staying and sticking to your goals for the rest of the year yes you're going to have some off days and it's totally fine um you know a study showed that when you miss a day or two it really doesn't affect your uh, ability to keep the goal for the rest of year as much but if you let it go on for a week or two weeks then it's an issue so if you have a day that you missed out don't feel bad about it just forgive yourself and move on now so let's dig a little bit deeper into the brain and how things like for example neurofeedback this is the the method that you use to work with your patients and your clients to help them overcome a number of conditions and obstacles. So talk to us a little bit about that. What is neurofeedback and what can it actually help with? Okay, so um, so you know we use neurofeedback for brain training and we use it for all a lot of different things. So we help you improve your memory, focus, concentration, even things like confidence and motivation. Uh, we help you deal with stress and anxiety better, depression, uh, sleep disorders, anger management, fears, all of these things. 
So neurofeedback means feedback for the brain. An analogy I often use is imagine you're walking by a mirror and your hair is messed up. Now when you look in the mirror, you get that information about your hair being messed up, so you fix it, mm. right? So that's exactly what we do with the brain. We show the brain its own activity in real time. And when the brain sees what it's doing wrong, it can essentially self-correct and self-regulate. Because our brains and our bodies, we have a self-correcting mechanism, but only if they know what they're doing wrong. So that's where we come in, where we basically hold a mirror up to your brain and be like, brain, look what you're doing. And as soon as the brain sees what it's doing wrong, it can fix itself. Okay, so describe to us a neurofeedback session. What does that even yeah. look like? So the way we show the brain what it's doing is using EEG sensors. And these sensors are listening and monitoring your brain's EEG activity. You know how you listen to the ECG of the heart? Mm-hmm. Just like that, this is listening to the EEG of your brain. And then this information about your brain activity is translated by my software onto a video output. So during a neurofeedback session, you'd be sitting in a very comfortable chair, watching your favorite movie on Netflix while the sensors are attached to you. And the Netflix screen will change in size and clarity, and the sound will change in volume in real time based on your own brain waves. So as your brain is doing different things, the screen and the sound is gonna change. Um, Say for example, one of the things you wanna improve is your focus. Then every time you are focused, the screen will be full screen, it will be clear, and the sound will be good. But if you get distracted or bored or think other thoughts, the screen's going to start getting smaller, blurrier, and the sound gets more muffled. So is it you focusing on the movie that you're watching in front of you? Or are you, like, what are you focusing on yeah, in that when, moment? So when you're focusing, there will be a certain brain activity okay. in your brain, which the sensors will sense. Mm. And as soon as the sensors sense that you are focused, it will immediately give you a reward from the screen by the screen getting big. So the big screen and the good sound, these are positive rewards for the brain. Brain likes it. So brain basically tries to do more and more of the activity that gives it that positive reward. So it will try to be more and more focused or calm or whatever it is we're training your brain to do. Eventually, when you do these kind of sessions many, many times, this new way of being more focused or being more calm becomes your brain's new habit. unconsciously this is what I was telling you earlier that's why it's so effective because it's not that you're using your willpower or your conscious thought it's happening on a subconscious level um, until it becomes a habit for your brain and who uses uh, neurofeedback you know how did this method come about and and why is it so you know for you why did you choose this particular method So this method was actually patented by NASA uh, in the 50s. They invented this and they actually still use it for their astronauts, for them to perform better, for them to stay focused. Um, I personally chose this because neurofeedback changed my life. I used to have anxiety and anxiety-related insomnia pretty much my entire life for as long as I can remember. You know, every little thing in my life, I would make such a big deal about it in my head. And we all tend to do that from time to time. But for me, it was really, it was really crippling and it was really affecting my sleep and all of the areas of my life. I would just stay in bed, trying to go to sleep, wanting to go to sleep, but my brain would just not shut up. Um, and then I heard about neurofeedback, so I wanted to try it. I tried it and I'm telling you, Sally, I've never, my life is so, is so different now. I've never slept better. All the same issues that would, you know, in the past make me keep thinking about it or, uh, you know, catastrophize. I recognize the same issue now and it has, it has no power over me. And it's, it's been, it's, it's been life changing for me. So that's why I decided to start the center so other people can experience the same thing. We're going to come back in uh, just a moment uh, with Dr. Upasna and talk a little bit more about 
uh, how neurofeedback can actually translate into into every other part of your life because it's the same method that can be used for a whole lot of different things yep, that's right. and, and across a whole lot of different people. It's not just for one type of people. You don't have a typical kind of uh, patient Yeah, or, I don't or have client, a typical client. Which is interesting. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and talk more about the brain's potential. What is the brain's potential? How do we get there? More to come here on Life Beats on Pulse95. Pulse95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. We are back with uh, Dr. Upasna talking all things to do with the brain and harnessing its power to achieve your goals for 2020 and beyond. We don't want to call them resolutions. It's just whatever you want to do. The brain really is the place to start, isn't it, Dr. Upasna? Absolutely. So uh, we've been talking a little bit about neurofeedback and how that works. It's a, it's a method that... Uh, was patented by NASA Um, but okay so you're sitting there watching a movie and all of that neurofeedback is happening what I would love to know is how does that experience there uh, in that session translate to your anxiety you know away from the session for example or focus or whatever it is that you're dealing with or, or trying to change outside right Okay, so um, I'm going to give a little background on what, how we plan the sessions for someone, okay? So before you come in, I'm going to do a full consultation. So I do a neuropsychosocial assessment, try to understand um, your eating habits, sleeping habits, past history, thoughts, anxiety, all that. Uh, then we do something called brain mapping. In the brain mapping, we are collecting data from different parts of your brain and we compare it to the data collected from brains of other people your age and your gender. And we see where you fall on the spectrum. How do you do that? How do you do brain mapping? Uh, using EEG sensors. Again, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this allows us to understand, um, so if you're below or above the normal threshold in any of the parameters, then it gives us an indication that you might have issues with anxiety or issues with focus or whatever else. Mm. So that is one of the things we use to plan your program. Then we also do something called a continuous performance test. So this test is measuring your attention span, impulse control, speed of response, so how fast you process information, and consistency of response, and gives you a numbered score for these things, which we use as a baseline. And then we do symptom tracking. So this is subjective reporting of your own symptoms. Uh, We have a whole list of symptoms, and you pick the ones that you want to track and see improve over time, and you rate how bad it is today from 0 to 10, 10 being the worst, Mm -hmm. which we use as a baseline. Uh, And then based on all this information, then I come up with a plan for you. So in the brain mapping, we will see stuff like, um, so in our brain, there are different frequencies, alpha, beta, theta, gamma, these kind of frequencies. The delta frequencies are the slowest frequencies when you're sleeping. The alpha is, uh, the theta is your, um, is your subconscious state. So sometimes when you zone out or you're driving a normal route to work, uh, that's when you're in theta state. It's almost like the dream state. The dream state, right. Um, and alpha is your relaxed awareness state. So if you've just finished giving a presentation and now you're sitting down to relax or sitting on a beach or something, that's when you're in alpha state. Mm. Uh, beta state is your alert, awake, conscious state. Right now, you and I, we are in beta state. Mm. So what the brain mapping does is, and we know what the normal range of these th- states should be in the different parts of your brain. And with the brain mapping, we find out what your numbers are compared to the normal range. So if you are an anxious person, I am going to for sure see that you have too much beta activity in the right prefrontal cortex. So this gives me a starting point. So for example, a non-anxious person, their beta activity may be 50 in this part of the brain, but yours might be 100 if you're an anxious person. 
So what we do during a session is when you are watching the show and we are measuring your beta activity during your session, we set a reward threshold for 90. So every time your brain can keep the beta below 90, your brain gets a reward from the screen because the screen becomes full screen and the sound gets good. I'm thinking though, that when I'm watching a Netflix movie, I'm already like very low on the beta state. I'm like pretty much going to be, you know, in a theta or an alpha state. Chilling. Um, yes, it, it will be. But an anxious person will always have a lot of beta activity, regardless of what's going on in that moment. Really? So even when we do the brain mapping, even if you're really relaxed while we're doing the mapping, but you're an anxious person, we will see it in your brain mapping results. You don't have to be anxious in the moment or you don't have to be distracted in the moment for me to know whether you have ADHD or you have anxiety. Wow. Yeah. So this is wow. Okay. Um, so the, once we set a reward threshold, mm. your brain makes the connection that every time it can keep the beta activity below 90, it's getting a reward. So it gets better at keeping the beta below 90. Once it does that, we reduce the threshold to 80, 70, 60. Eventually, we bring you down to the normal range. And then this becomes your new brain. It becomes a habit. If you do enough number of sessions, it becomes a habit for your brain to keep the beta activity below a certain level. So then that is your new brain that doesn't get anxious. So what, what, what is like the, the right number of sessions? Then? Right, so that varies. Um, the minimum number of sessions I do with everyone is 20 because that's how many times a brain needs to repeat something. Um, brain needs to do something 21 days in order for it to become a habit. So that's how many times the brain needs to repeat something. But depending on the severity of the condition or how long you had it for, for example, somebody with depression for 20 years is not going to, uh, is not going to, uh, 20 sessions are not going to be enough for them. Uh, but if it's a peak performance client who mostly has no issues but just really wants to get that extra edge or improve their focus, 20 sessions would be enough for them. Um, but I wouldn't know until I start working with you and see how your brain responds. So is this like something that you do like once a week? So I recommend a minimum of twice a week, but you can do them as frequently as you like. The more frequently you do them, the more effective the results and of course faster the results. Okay. so. I have a question here. Uh, this one is uh, from Kelly, actually. She's okay. texted in. She's asking about, because she's somebody who gets therapy. Okay. And she is somebody who suffers with anxiety. And she is asking about, how does this fit in with therapy? If you're getting therapy, does this replace therapy or how does this work therapy it really complements therapy it is going to speed up your talk therapy process so you know therapy is something people do for years five ten years some people never stop but if you complement it with neurofeedback what you would have gotten uh, you know where you would have gotten within a year with therapy you might get that in two months mm. because a lot of the work your brain is doing on its own so sometimes what would have taken the therapist a long time to get out of you you would have done that work already so it would be faster it, it reduces your talk therapy time Okay, so it, this works in conjunction Absolutely. with... Absolutely. It, is it kind of working on your triggers? Because often we hear about, you know, triggers to certain behaviors. And that's what you're talking about, I so think. So what it actually works on is it is an exercise for your brain. Right. So just like any other muscle, um, you know, if you're working out your arm, for example, uh, you keep working it out and uh, it makes it stronger and it makes it more flexible. So someday if you want to lift something really heavy, you're not going to hurt yourself because you have, by working it out regularly, you've made that muscle strong. Similarly, brain is also a muscle. So when you work it out with these kind of brain training um, exercises or brain training programs, you're making your brain more flexible and more resilient. So no matter what life throws at you, your brain continues to perform at its best. So it doesn't get phased by triggers or it doesn't get phased by things that would have otherwise triggered it. Okay, uh, Hanadi has texted in. She's asking about her son who is 
seven years old. Okay. Uh, and he has a speech impediment. Is this something that could help with that? Yes, and but also we would need to investigate what what is caus- causing the speech impediment. So sometimes kids have speech impediments because they are nervous or anxious or they're being bullied or something like that. So yes, we can if it's purely speech impediment, we can work on the broadcast area. But if it is related due to other issues like anxiety, then we work on that first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, keep your texts coming in and your questions coming in. Four two one five is the text line number here. Uh, on Life Eats on Pulse 95. Uh, but as well as that, uh, something that we need to talk about and I want to investigate with you is uh, the p- power and the potential of the brain because it is an incredible uh, organ. Um, but I feel like we're only touching the surface uh, with the brain. So when we come back uh, after the half past headlines, that's what we're going to be talking about, the power of the brain with Dr. Upasna Gala. She is here uh, from Evolve Brain Training. More to come on Life Beats Nick. You're listening to Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. We are back with Dr. Upasna Gala. She is the founder of Evolve Brain Training. And what an incredible conversation we have been having off air, Dr. Upasna. Um, (laughs) There is so much to talk about. It's crazy. Um, What we wanted to come back to was the brain's potential, um, which we'll get to in just a moment. But I was chatting a little bit with you because um, I think a lot of people are in the same boat where they have to just multitask every single day, especially if you're a mom and you're a working mom and you have a million things going on i've just recently moved house as well so like i've got a zillion things you know it's that meme that you see where you've got a hundred tabs open in your brain that is me 24 7. and you just blew me away by saying that (laughs) that our brain is actually not meant to multitask so we don't do a very good, our brains do not do a very good job of multitasking. When you do multitask, you actually don't do a good job at any of the tasks that you that you are multitasking with. Whereas instead, you stick to one task at a time, you're, you'll be much more productive and much more efficient with your time. See, th- this is the thing. Like, so, I mean, we're forced to multitask yeah. really in this day and age, especially with our phones. Yeah. Are we not? Oh my God. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, you have this phone, the notifications are constantly going off, email is in front of you. If it I just can doesn't give you stop. one tip that you should do absolutely now, just turn off your notifications. Just do that. It doesn't mean don't check your phone, but turn your notifications off and then set a time limit for yourself. I will check my phone every hour or I will check my phone every 30 minutes or 15 minutes if you can't last that long. But don't uh, turn the notification on because that ding sound that comes and the dopamine release it causes in your brain is what keeps us addicted to our devices. So if you have to be addicted, if you have to be near your devices all the time, just turn off your notifications and then set a time that I will check my email every half an hour or every 15 minutes. I've said it many times. I just <laughs> wish I could chuck mine out the window. <laughs> Quite honestly, it, it is not something that I, that I love having at all. But let's kind of get to that whole idea of the potential of the brain. Because all of us, we only know what we know. Yeah. You don't know what you yeah, don't know, yeah. right? So what is the potential of the brain? The answer is we don't know. Um, but the thing is that we, we are still very far away from absolutely reaching it. So there is, you cannot really stop getting better. Uh, keep improving, keep, 
keep doing brain exercises, keep working out, keep meditating, keep doing yoga, keep doing Sudoku's crossword puzzles. Everything you do is just going to improve your potential a little bit more, a little bit more. What, so what are the, the best kind of things? You mentioned a few of them there. Physical exercise is very good it's for the physical brain. Physical exercise is really good for your brain. It increases dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, norepinephrine, and all these neurotransmitters are important for mood, attention regulation, um, happiness. It's huge. Yeah. It's so important as well. And and what what about the kind of things? I mean, okay, reading is that something that? Of course, yeah. Reading, even like doing crossword puzzles or anything new. So if you get really good at something then pick up a new hobby because okay. you need to keep your brain you need to keep learning new things you need to keep um, exercising your brain and keep pushing it challenge yourself keep challenging it yes okay so so how do we do that give us a few kind of tips on things that we can do right now <laughs> okay to challenge ourselves okay brain um, hacks can we do like a physical exercise okay let's yeah? do it okay uh, you got to use your hands all right hands okay. hands up so make an okay sign with one hand okay and then make the peace sign with the other hand. Yeah, got you. Okay. Now make an okay sign with the, uh, yeah, and then the peace sign with the first hand. Okay. Make an okay sign again with the first hand, and the peace sign with the others. Now do <laughs> both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> both at the oh same man. time. Yeah. I'm like, what is I, going on? Yeah. I don't know what I'm so doing. So it's yeah. really hard for you, but it's really easy for me because I have done it a few times. Right. So once, you know, if you do this enough times, you'll get better at it too. What's happening in this exercise is your left hemisphere is controlling your right hand. Your right hemisphere is controlling your left um, left hand. Mm -hmm. And when you do this exercise, you're actually strengthening the connection between the two hemispheres. And by doing that, you're actually reducing your rate of getting neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's or dementia. That is really interesting. Okay. What? <laughs> Gabby's doing <laughs> it too. <laughs> ah, see, you're getting better. <laughs> oh, you're talented, Gabby. <laughs> this guy is good. I wanted to ask you about art and painting and drawing. Yeah. Okay, because a lot of people find that difficult. Is that something, if, if you challenge your brain, if it challenges your brain, if you find that difficult, if you stick with it, is that something that can be good? Yes, you would. And it's actually really good because it involves, it involves a lot of different senses. So the more senses you involve in any activity that you do, the better for your brain. You just want to keep as many areas activated as much as possible um, to prevent rust. <laughs> I love that yeah. at the same time. Because this is so interesting because a lot of us uh, are hearing about anti-aging in lots of different ways, including anti-aging when it comes to brain. the brain. Yeah. And so what can we do to keep our brains young? Um, so one of my favorite things about the brain is the process of neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. So neuropla um, you know, for the longest time, it was thought that once we became adults, our brains were unchangeable, that we were fixed for life. But that is absolutely not true, as we have found with recent, uh, recent research. And our brains continue to change and adapt even as we get older. And that is because of the principle of neuroplasticity. So if you have ever broken a bad habit and picked up a new habit, that is because you have changed the wiring in your brain and if you moved the connections from one to the other. And using this process of neuroplasticity is what you can um, help de-age your brain, so to speak, uh, by picking up these kind of new habits that I'm talking about, or pick up a new sport, learn a musical instrument, do do something new, pick a new language. Picking up a new language actually reduces your risk of getting Alzheimer's by 25%. So. Do whatever new things you can keep doing and keep challenging your brain. It's the best way to keep your brain young. It's interesting because we have that expression that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That is not true. We should change that expression now. It's completely wrong because some people say, you know, and we assume with older people, 
we say, oh, he's just set he in his old ways. Yeah. And yes, he it can't is change. harder. It is harder to change your ways the longer you've done, um, you've been in, you know, you've been doing the same thing. The longer you've been doing that, the harder it is going to be to break it, but doesn't mean it's impossible. You can do it. Yes, you absolutely can. If you want to do it, you can. You can. You can change it. We're going to come back in just a moment uh, with you, uh, Dr. Upasa, and talk about how we can uh, achieve our goals for 2020 and beyond. There are some tips that you have um, for all of us that we can do yeah. uh, to make those res- resolutions happen. Yeah. Uh, and even beyond the resolutions, whatever goal it is that you want to achieve, how do you do it? How do you harness the power of the brain? That's next. Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We've just been finding out that uh, Gabby, our amazing videographer, is like multi-talented in so many different areas. It's crazy. You you used to play the drums. Like that's (laughs) unbelievable. And then with like you switched hands and then like you would write with both hands and whatever. Like this guy's an expert. This is the stuff you guys all should be doing, by the way. Right. (laughs) And and you said you were doing it too. I used to do it as a kid, yeah. Oh my God, this is crazy. You guys have a lot to talk about, (laughs) I think, in the break. Um, But, you know, it's interesting. So anything that kind of is different, that challenges. Challenging. And what's funny about all of that is that actually that inspires creativity. Yeah. So anything that challenges your brain is going to bring about more creativity in your work, isn't it? Absolutely. Amazing. And also, like, just staying away from boredom inspires creativity. So we as a people have basically lost the ability to be bored. We can't even, like, wait for a friend to show up at dinner without being on our phone or at a red light without checking out text. It's insane. Exactly. So um, just try to give yourself one hour of no phone and be bored. Can I and just give a tip on that one? Yeah. Just, like, carry, like, a small notepad with you and a pen. Yeah, yeah. And be bored. Right, be bored. With the notepad and see what happens. You'll be shocked. You will be shocked. I mean, your brain is, you know, once it starts wandering, that's where the creative juices flow. And we just don't allow it to wander anymore. Amazing. Amazing. This is so cool. I want to ask you about video games. Okay. Because we were talking about, you know, all the different Uh, things we could do. Yeah. What about video games? Do they help or do they hinder the brain? Both. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Okay. So there actually been a lot of studies that show that certain kinds of video games actually make you really good at uh, problem solving and also improve your reflex control and those kind of things. However, too much of anything is, of right. course, bad for you. And the problem with video games is because they're continuously giving you a reward. Every time you jump over something or get a weapon or whatever, you get a reward. The dopamine hit. Yeah, that dopamine hit is what makes us so addicted. And right. that's why that's why it's that's why it's not good. Not because the video game itself is bad, but it's that addictive component of it. Mm. But we should take some tips from it and actually use video game like things in our daily life. So, um, you know, give yourself a reward for every time you do something that you want to do to achieve your goal okay and make your make your real life goals a video game so they become rewarding and addictive just not a muffin though huh not a muffin as a goal <laughs> no that, that, not if your goal is losing weight a muffin should be not be a reward because yeah. that's what I would choose and that is not going to work <laughs> but yeah exactly so just have those little things that are, are going to gamify gamify your life your yeah. life yeah I love that okay other tips for people to reach their goals this year Dr. Upasta uh, one of the biggest ones is set specific goals. So don't be like, oh, I want to exercise more. Now have a goal. I want to fit into that dress or I want to run the 5K by the end of the month or whatever. Uh, and be add a specific. timeline and yeah. add a timeline for your goals. Um, and I think very important is add a cue. 
So don't be like, I will exercise. Be like, I will exercise uh, before lunch on Tuesdays or something like that, you know? Get so super specific. You put a, put a routine to it. Right. So one of my goals this year is I'm going to call my mom every Monday evening after work because I haven't been calling her too much. So instead of just saying I'll call my mom more, I know when I'm going to call her every week. And so now it's in my schedule. And she knows as well. And she knows so as well. So she's going to follow so up. So it's accountability. Yeah, that's the other yes. thing. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to get to you. Yeah. She's going to be like... Adding accountability to your goals also helps. And make your goals public. You know, tell people about it. So people are going to ask you, oh, so, you know, how's it going? And then you feel like you have a little bit more responsibility because you've told people about it. Okay. So you're adding a cost of failure. All right. Which is embarrassment or whatever. Really good tips, really good tips for achieving your goals in 2020 and beyond. Um, but just a fascinating discussion about the brain and the power of the brain to help us to do incredible things. Uh, but to also overcome so many different kinds of conditions and things yes. like that. Very interesting. For those, there are people asking as well. There are people asking about the age range of who you see. Like, what kind of patients come to you? What kind of clients come to you? What does that even look like? So I actually don't have a typical client. My youngest client is five years old. Mm. They can come to me for focus or hyperactivity or um, childhood anxiety. And then I get adults, uh, men and women, uh, CEOs of companies for peak performance. So those that want to improve their focus even more or get that extra edge, be more confident, uh, be better at public speaking, get over their fears, depression, anxiety, all of these issues. Okay, fascinating stuff. Amazing, Dr. Upasnagala the founder and CEO of Evolve Brain Training. Happy 2020. Happy, Happy New 2020 Year. to you too. Happy New Year. And uh, I have a feeling that this won't be the last of our conversation. I'd love to come back. <laughs> there will be more to come. Lots more to come in the second hour here on Life Beats. Keep it on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.